This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. What is going on, everybody? Are we still liking the music, Ashley? Is it all right? Yes? No? I liked last week better, but I... It's the same music as last week. Is it? Really? It's the exact same song. Yeah, but last week was different than this week, because last week, I don't know. (laughs) Man, I swear, I can't can't find a song that Ashley likes. It's like the ongoing joke of this show is finding a song that Ashley likes. It's not about me. I know it's not about you, but it's it's become a thing. So I keep bringing it up every week. And it's funny that last week you liked this song and now this week you don't. Okay. I'm allowed to change okay. my mind. That's true. It's true. I'm, I'm a girl. I have a lot of and, moods. Yeah, hopefully my wife isn't watching right now because she'll be, she'll be yelling because um, we've been going back and forth on baby names for baby number two and I'll she'll ask me about one i'll be like yeah that's a good one and then like a couple days later i'm like i don't like that one anymore do you think about every person you've ever known with that name and like yes and then i I also and then i also think of like the names that bullies would use like to make fun of that name and i'm like we can't use that name like that's gonna like that rhymes with whatever Mm -hmm. my wife's like how do you think of that and like because i don't know i just do because Or I knew this person and they did this and everybody with that name does this. I can't give that to my kid. Exactly. Exactly. I think JR is a nice, strong name. I think that's two names put together. Hey, my my middle name's Richard, so there's two JRs on here. Boom. (laughs) Well, it's a well, it's gonna be a girl as well. So I know that. (laughs) All right, we withdraw that. (laughs) I don't know that I want to name her Richard. (laughs) <laughs> i mean it's a nice name don't get me wrong thanks <laughs> jennifer renee jr so my, <laughs> my daughter's name and my son's name they have my initials as jace raiden and then jalen ray and then justin richard so they have my initials well i don't really want to give my kids my initials because my initials are bm i got made fun of for that growing up so i don't really want to do that to my kids <laughs> hey, I married my wife and I made her a TM. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah, I had a nice normal last name, Miller. There's nothing like it was very run of the mill Ashley Miller that you probably know five of them, each of you. And then and then I got the last name Grimes, and after I got divorced, I kept it because I had it so long. But it's like makes me when I first got it, it was like oh. Sounds like grime. Yeah, I know a bunch of Millers. <laughs> There's a lot of Millers. Yeah. There's five Ashleys in my kindergarten class. So. <laughs> and that—that's the whole thing we've had with the, with the baby name is, is like a, we don't want to go with something too common, but then like my wife comes up with like some off the wall name that sounds made up, and I'm like, yeah. Let's find like some middle ground. <laughs> Whatever you decide, you'll, it'll be, they'll grow into it. Like my daughter is Brianna and 
you know, I, I wanted her to be Brianna and sound sophisticated, but she's not sophisticated at all. She's got bright red hair and it's not bright red. What are you, bright, what are you red hair. about gingers? So we call her Brie and Brie fits her perfectly. It's like the perfect name, but she's Brianna, I think, sophisticated and put together and got your crap together. And she's dramatic and sings and dances and lively and red hair. She's doesn't have it together, but it's wonderful. So she's Brie. Kyle, what's up, my dude? All right, everyone. You want to introduce Justin or let him introduce himself? Or how'd you guys plan that? I was late. Or is JR, is JR going to announce his, uh, his challenge quickly? Do, do we have a the... drum roll in your uh, bag of uh, tricks there? Um, I do. Here? Hold on. What? I don't remember which page I have the drum roll on. Ooh. We don't have it together today. At least we showed up. I That's have four pages of sound effects. I can't remember which page the drum roll's on. Cool. I know I have one. I just don't know where it is. So is this the official kickoff of the recovery challenge? Because I think September it is. I mean, today's the first. Every month. Let's oh. get it going. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's get this party started. Recovery challenge 2022 is officially started. I mean, uh, this will be our third annual challenge, and it's simple. Anyone that's in active recovery or anyone that supports anyone in recovery, all we ask is for you to make a sign. It could be cardboard. could be a piece of paper. could be a poster board. It says you support recovery, recovery with your city and state and country listed on it. I mean, uh, we do have a video. I was hoping you'd run the video, but... Oh, there it is. He's on time. Anything like that, the show that you support recovery, it's a message of hope to anyone on social media. Please share it. And it runs all the way through the end of the month. Greg, Greg what's, what's up? up? Nice. Hey, Greg. <laughs> I'll, I'll put him hey, back up there. And to add a little bit on to what Jared said, because I saw someone's post today about being a family member and when they first you know, got to mobilize, they didn't feel like, you know, they fit in because they weren't in recovery themselves. Um, so if you're a family member, you are rock stars and you should definitely celebrate recovery month too. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. You, everybody can be in recovery from something where let's celebrate everybody recovering, no matter how you do it. Wow. That's why she's the brains of the outfit right there. Brett's the uh, he's the face man. I'm just here for the uh, the 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 quirky comments. <laughs> I'm not the Brett. I'm just a listener. I just listen, and I'm like, oh, that hurt my heart. But they didn't feel like they fit in. I'm like, they should fit in like double what I fit in because family members support people when they don't have to. They're there to help people pick up their lives when they get it together. When they don't, they're there afterwards to help other family members when they lose somebody. Like, they are rock stars. Yeah, absolutely. If addiction affects one in three families, you got to think about it. I mean, these families are impact. They say it's a family disease, and I totally agree with it because I know I put my family through hell for 20 years. And it's like last night, you know, when I was doing that, you know, doing my little talk thing. That's why I felt like it was so important because, you know, Nancy chose me to do that because I've got the, I've got the 
addiction myself um, and now obviously in recovery four and a half years. And then I've also got, unfortunately, but the family aspect where my late husband um, was an addict. And that's why, like I said, all my stuff. And then I just like transitioned and was like, however, you know, there's also a dark side to the story. You know, it's not all like, oh, I was really bad. Then I went great. You know, now I'm in recovery. That's true. But the family aspect of it, you know, I mean, I almost want to say that what I went through with my late husband, it was almost, it, it was at least equally as traumatizing because I can't control what he, I couldn't control what he did. And again, in that, in that speech, you know, I said I was so angry. And one of the biggest things I was angry at when he died was that he did not get into recovery with me. Um, cause that could have made the difference, you know, but so being a family member and loving someone so much, wanting to change them, wanting them so, so badly, we want to get in recovery ourselves as, as like addicts, you know, but when you love somebody, like I'm sure all of us love somebody, um, and you know, that's been an active addiction and watching them, you know, suffer is so painful. So, I absolutely agree with the fact that it breaks my heart that some families don't feel like they have a place because they do in, in every, love you too, Greg, um, in every single aspect of this, everybody, everybody's included. We all suffer one way or another from addiction, from overdose, and we all celebrate in some way with recovery. Mic drop. <laughs> I don't know if I could say anything after that. She just summed it all up. No, you always have the words. I love those dings. I don't know why, but when he does that ding, I just know that like I accomplished something. I just wanted to be, I just want to have like a little pedestal where people can see it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I'll work on it. We need a button so I can do it when you talk. Well, I have a digital one, but everybody was like, "No, you need a real bell." Because I have, I have that one. I don't know. Maybe next year I can add it into the budget. Right, right. <laughs> That's something you'll make me write. So, Justin <laughs> didn't say anything. <laughs> How did last night go? It went well. It went Just, well. Why don't you introduce yourself? The people listening yeah. might not know you. Me? They probably do. Nice. All right. Go ahead. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Full screen. All right. Um, so you want me to start sharing my story? Yeah, just say why you're here and then, yeah. Oh, um, why I'm here is because I qualify to share a story about recovery from active addiction. Um, so I, I want to read this real quick because something I always talk about, uh, I should just introduce myself totally. I'm Justin McPadden. I am the creator and uh, president of the Hope Shot. We are a nonprofit in Florida um, and we do exactly what Recovery Revolution does as well. We do um, uh, recovery podcasts. It's kind of how we started and I'll get into why we started it um, here shortly. But the definition, the one I love the most is the definition of recovery from SAMHSA. And it, this shows that everybody is re in recovery. 
a process it's a process of change through which individual individuals improve their health and wellness live a self-directed life and strive to reach their full potential that sums it up right there that means everybody uh is that's trying to strive to um reach their full potential is in recovery so <laughs> i love that definition um so uh i'm i'm just mcpad and i am um I'm, I'm 40 years old uh, i was in my addiction for 23 years of my life um spun out you know i i grew up in in a uh toxic home with um uh, a family that was my mom and my dad they were toxic for each other for one thing and also they were in addiction as well and you know i blamed them for a long time uh for the reason that why i was the way i was because they made me this way right um i wasn't taking any blame and hey, if the power goes out of here because there's so much lightning um I will go on my phone, but I just want to put that out there because um, lightning like crazy. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I grew up when I grew up, man, my dad was like a, he owned his own business doing construction, built homes in West Palm Beach, which is in South Florida. And we grew up kind of on the rich side. You know, my dad was he was doing well for himself. And so, uh, you know, we did the country clubs. We did, you know, had these big houses. He built his own house. We did all these cool things. Um, but in the midst of it, man, it was alcohol like crazy. And my, my dad, man, he was, uh, you know, he, he didn't know any better, but he, uh, I took a lot of trauma with me from how he treated me. Um, uh, the, the abuse, the, um, you know, the, the, I was scared of the dark, and he would sit outside my window drunk and just try to scare the shit out of me. And, and I don't care what anybody says about that. That's like, oh, it's not a big deal. But, dude, emotional emotional trauma is real. And I actually had to actually come to terms with it. Like, just suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? Like, But my whole life, that like set the tone for my whole life going forward all the way through uh, till I was 35 years old till I had to start taking responsibility for my own actions because it wasn't because I was six years old and some, you know, my dad was making fun of me or scaring me or whatever it was. It wasn't because I grew up in an alcoholic home. By the time I was 35, man, I was on my own for a long time. Like it should have, uh, I, I, there's no reason for me to be back that day. You know, like the one thing I always hold, Dear is that that um, that phrase is like our inability to accept personal responsibility. We're actually creating our own problems. And I keep that very and I, I memorize that because exactly who I was as a person. I never could take responsibility for my own actions. I blame everybody and anything um, <clears throat> because I didn't want to look at me. I want to look at everybody else. They were the problem. Um, so my dad and my mom finally split at, I was like nine or 10 years old, man. And I never fit in anywhere, anywhere. I wasn't good at sports. I didn't like karate. I didn't like anything, like literally nothing. Um, and we grew up, you know, my mom got back with another guy that was worse than my dad. And this dude was a straight, just in, he was insane, like literally just psychotic, just gone, you know? And he would abuse my mom, skull fractures. I mean, there's, he tried to kill me twice. Um, he was the person like having the app, like my dad not there. And I was just with my mom and uh, my stepdad came and I was like, man, I need like, I need that male figure. I need that mentor. I need somebody to look up to. I need somebody to guide me. I, I was longing for 
that connection, right? Um, I needed a male figure, you know, because I didn't, I didn't, I don't know, it just wasn't there for me, you know. Um, my dad might have been there, but he wasn't there, you know what I mean? He was uh, drunk, you know. And um, so I, uh, I, I wanted to fit in with him. And this dude, he was doing like hardcore drugs, right? So I'm 12, 13 years old trying to fit in, you know, we're first we're smoking weed together, right? And then it turned into like some crazy stuff. He was like with bikers and all, all that. And uh, next thing you know, man, like he's doing coke and I wanted to fit in. And he's like, oh, okay. So he's shooting up me up with uh, cocaine at thir you know, 13 years old, um, smoking meth. I uh, just all kinds of crazy shit, you know? Um, and, uh, then finally, like, uh, the abuse was so bad. Me and my sister were out one night and we were like, you know, just hanging at our friend's house. And, uh, she, um, uh, she went back in the house and I was like, I ain't going back in there. Cause he was fucking drunk and just being crazy. So she goes back in, I hear a scream and I go in there and he's on top of her. I go and kick him. I do like a field goal kick and kick him off of her and then that from that night on man he was insane he was uh trying to kill me like literally kill me he almost did um so i didn't go back i i let i've lived on the streets that's what i did from 14 on i lived on the streets but you know during that time you know you do what you got to do and i was running with the wrong crowd i was stealing i was uh breaking into cars i was doing all kinds of crazy stuff man doing drugs like crazy um and uh, finally, I got locked up. You know, I went to a boys' home, went to a Pinellas County boot camp, and then I went to um, uh, a San Antonio boys' village. And I did my time, and then uh, I got back out. You know, I was like 16, 17. Um, and uh, back to the, you know, I, I got a job <clears throat> because we were broke. Like, we never had like nice things, we never had new school clothes. I didn't fit in in the school. Um, you know, everybody got new kicks. I didn't get new kicks. I never, and I just never felt like I belonged anywhere. Like there's no click for me. Um, but in the drug scene, I clicked with everybody. Like I was, uh, that was my scene. So, um, you know, I was in the rave scene. I was, uh, that was my, you know, we didn't really think of it as a problem back then when we're in the rave scene, eating ecstasy, cause we're having fun. We're, it was the love drug. You know what I mean? It was fun. It was exciting. Um, but, um, it, 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 I didn't understand that it would cause us to keep going and going and going and going and find different things. Cause once those were gone, then it turned into, uh, other things. Um, but I didn't recognize drugs as a problem. I was just having fun. It was normal to me, you know, it was normal to do drugs and have fun and party on the weekends. Um, so, you know, by the time I'm, you know, 17, I'm working every day, but I'm partying on the weekends. I'm, I'm, I'm literally staying up all nights on the weekends most of the time. Um, and then, um, uh, I think I was like 19. I was at work and I fell two stories and screwed up my ankle. And that's when I got my first lick of the freaking pain pills. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, they prescribed me 60 Lord tab tens, uh, for a sprained ankle. And I was off the races. That was it from there. I felt like Superman, like you couldn't tell me nothing. Um, so I was, I, I was, uh, and then, you know, once you get those and then you're looking for stuff that's better, that's more, more, the more factor. I always want more. Uh, it's never enough. It's never good enough. Um, and, uh, 
You know, I maintained for a while. I was kind of like that functional addict, but it was never really, really functional, to be honest. It was more like I was just like somewhat okay. <laughs> um, but I started a business and we were making a bunch of money. So when you have money, you don't see a problem, right? Like, I think that's a lot of things. If there's no problem because money's covering it up, then there is no problem. But as soon as shit hits the fan and there is no more money and things go wrong, then it turns into the snowball effect. And when that stuff happened, like I lost my business. It was 2008. You know, like we were doing shit all wrong. We didn't even know. We were like, you know, we were like just we thought we were rich, you know, doing all these like vacations and doing stuff, man. We were living it up. But once that 2008 crash hit, man, it was over and everything was just so screwed up. Um, my, I had a girlfriend, she cheated on me and freaking that hit me so hard, like a ton of bricks, the insecurities that get brought up, man. I was insecure my whole life, picked on all these things. Like I never was good enough for anybody. And then when all that shit came crumbling down, I went into a tailspin of just, um, started smoking crack, started going, started, uh, you know, just going buck wild, but the crack man really, I was so strung out on uh, on crack after that, man. I, I, I stayed homeless for two years. Um, then I was introduced to the needle and I that was it, you know. Um, and I did that for I changed zip codes. I changed areas. I tried to run away from myself. It never worked because uh, I would always find what I was looking for wherever I went, no matter what. Um, and uh so I, I went over to uh, Orlando to try to get clean and um, and it, I just found exactly what I was looking for. I had this whole plan, this grand scheme of things that I was going to start this new life and it was just the place I was and da, 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 da. So I got a job over there and it started screwing up again and uh, I met some people and, you know, I, it was, um, I, I was, I was trying to go cop from this guy and, um, he was in a hotel room and he wasn't answering. And I was like, what the fuck, man? And so um, his buddy that had like the room with him, I called him. He, uh, he lets me in the room and we find him. We find him dead. And that's the sad truth of this whole thing is like, it's possible, you know, that could be me. And it freaked me out. I was like, oh, I'm done. Okay. I got to get out of here. I went all the way to Houston, Texas and checked myself into a, a Christian rehab, which I'm not really a, you know, religious person or anything. Um, and, you know, I used to, I, I've never really been to church or anything, like that, but I knew I needed to do something different. This thing was free and everything else cost money. And I was like, screw it, let's go. My dad got me a bus ticket. I went to Houston, Texas, stayed in downtown. It was like a homeless camp. Um, but they bring you to church. You did praise and worship. You did all these things. Um, and I did that for six months and I stayed there because I was like, man, I, I just, I just need, I just want to get, I want to get clean. I want to stay like, but I just didn't know how to fix these things. And I always was good at being a chameleon. Like I could put these masks on and like, I can be anything you want me to be because I'd been that my whole life. Right. Like I'm sitting here. Um, I can be, you know, praise and worship. I could do the Bible studies. I could do this, but then I go right back to the same situation I was in. Um, I went back to my girlfriend that was in Orlando and I went right back to the races. And then, um, you know, the one thing is like my whole family dynamic of my mom, my brother, and my sister, we all were 
in the same drug addiction together. So it's like, no matter where I went, there it was, you know, I didn't really have, I already burnt all the bridges for my other family. I didn't have anybody to go to. Um, but you know, my, my addiction brought me back here, uh, to where I am now, which is in, uh, Pasco County, Florida. And, um, that's what I was living with my mom, my brother, and my sister. And, um, I, I finally got arrested. We were, uh, we got, I got arrested twice in a month and that was the last time I ever got arrested in my life. It was, uh, I feel like it, it wasn't the last time I ever used, but it was the last time that did the crap that made me homeless, the smoking dope and, uh, the shooting up. Right. I stopped. Like after that, I called my boss, my, my old boss. I said, Hey, I can't go back to my mom's house. I need, I need help. Like, can I need I just need to do something. So I stayed in the back of his house for a month in a tent and he brought me to work and I got, because I got arrested, I got drug court. Um, and, uh, that was my second attempt at drug court. The first time I could not even, I could not complete it. I was just gone. I went to jail, but the second time, man, I kind of took it seriously, but not really. Right. I was still trying to beat the system, but the only system I was beating is myself. Like I was cheating myself out of a good life. That's all I was doing. And, um, so I, um, you know, did drug court the whole time I was drinking. And as long as I, I just switched substances, right. It doesn't matter what the substance is. It's still, uh, it's still me. I'm still the freaking problem. Um, but, um, you know, I didn't get caught. Right. I was drinking. I didn't get caught. I graduated because it was a screwed up. Something happened where they had a lapse and they had to go to a different company. And I, I skated by. Right. And I was doing good for a while. You know, I was just drinking. But then you start picking up the little tidbits of the stuff you used to do. Right. Um, you know, started doing trying to do the Molly and the, the other crazy stuff. Right. And then finally, man, I was at a party drunk saying what's up with my buddy, just like, what's up? You know, I rolled my ankle in a hole and I broke my leg and, um, I went back on pain pills, man. And I fought that till 2018, you know, it's like four or five years. I fought it. Um, tried to get clean multiple times. And suboxone was like, I always had suboxone on tap, but I, I would use that and then get back on pills and use that and get back on pills. And that it was just a vicious cycle over and over and over and over. And in the meantime, I started a family and got a wife that didn't know my past. I got two kids, you know, we had two kids together and, um, you know, finally, man, in, in 2018, um, I had enough and, uh, and it's crazy to say that what it took for me to finally say I had enough, like my wife leaving me wasn't enough, um, me that doesn't matter what was taken from me it wasn't enough it finally came to realization when somebody uh called the state of florida on me because i owned a business it called the state of florida on me and i was like uh, you know i've been doing drywall since i was 16 years old it's all i've ever done my whole life i've been doing drywall i have a business um doing drywall and <clears throat> it was the one thing i was really really good at everything else i sucked in my life or to me you know I felt like I sucked at everything else in my life. The only thing that I was really good at was drywall. And I swear I identify as a drywall guy. And I've always said that, but now I, I, it's not true. But, but that's what I always said because I was, it was something I was really good at and they, nobody could take that from me. You know what I mean? And um, this dude was taking it from me and it affected me so much. Like he called the state. I wasn't doing the proper stuff. Like I wasn't getting, doing the proper licensing and all that. 
And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? So he's like, you can't get a license. You're a felon. You'll never get, you'll never be anything and blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole spiel of what everybody wants to do to try to attack you. And I didn't listen to him. I got the books. I studied. I passed the test the first time. Boom, done. I did it drunk, high, everything. And, um, you know, I, um, I felt really good about it. But the only thing is, man, that, that committee up here, man, it goes round and round, right? So after you you have to after you pass your test you have to submit an application into the state of Florida for the board right, and you have to put your fingerprints all your charges da 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 I was lying the whole time yeah I've been clean since drug court and da 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 which it looks real cool, um because I did complete it but um yeah yeah I did a full house no it wasn't a full house skit it was a uh, <laughs> it was um family matters <laughs> uh yeah it was a family matters skit um. And, but, um, so you have to wait for them to approve you for this after seeing your whole lengthy record and all this stuff. So I'm sitting here like waiting for them. And this committee up here is like, Oh, you'll never be anything my whole life. That's all this, all the things that in my head, you'll never be anything. Uh, you're, you're worthless. All those negative emotions, negative thoughts that we keep feeding ourselves, the lies, the lies, the lies. And I put all that stuff and it came like just hardcore at that time. And dude, I was pilling myself and drinking myself because I just, I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, it's like, I'll never be anything. I'm a felon. You know, this is just my life, you know, and uh, they approved me and they said yes. And for somebody, I don't give a crap, man. My whole life I've been told no, you know, and this one time I was told yes. And like, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I checked myself in the outpatient rehab. I did uh, outpatient uh, IOP with uh, BayCare. Um, I checked myself in. I did 90 meetings in 90 days. I did. I just threw myself all in. I finally surrendered uh, to the fact that I cannot ever successfully use ever, ever. And I actually said that I took that wholeheartedly that I cannot successfully use ever because I've already done multiple times, different ways. I try to take T tours and down this bumpy trail and over here and there and that, da, da, da. and it just doesn't work for a guy like me. Right. And that's okay. Like it works for some people. It doesn't work for me. Like I've already done everything. And, um, you know, I, I, I went all in, I went all in and I freaking, did everything anybody was doing. I did events. I did um, spot my uh, step work. I did I, nonstop, man. I that's what I did. People were like, "Dang, look at him go!" And I was like, "Yeah," and uh, <laughs> you know, and and then uh, business because we don't do drugs and we don't freaking throw our money away. Like I'm telling you, addiction is a second career. Um, it's a full time job, and then like my other job was like part time, and um it took all my money. So like when I got clean, I started doing things right. I got my license. I got my business was legit. I really dove into that. And then I met some people, man, that didn't know about my past and didn't know who I was. And, you know, and I started getting out in the community and putting myself out there and start doing business. And next thing you know, man, when you do stuff successfully, when you're doing success, people come in and they try to hate on you and they try to bring you down. And it wasn't mostly me, but I was the pawn in these grand scheme of things. And this is how the hope shot started. Um, <clears throat> first I got, um, I got married, uh, the gifts of recovery. I got married on, uh, uh, zero two, zero two, two, zero, two, zero is, uh, February 2nd, 2020. And you can do frontwards backwards. It's an infinity sign. And, um, 
me and her, when I first got in recovery, man, me and her, we were drinking buddies, you know, we were, you know, just she drink, I would drink and we just be stupid about it, man. That toxic relationship. I never knew what a, a real relationship was because I was toxic. Right. And I always blamed her because she was toxic. And I was like, no, it's you. And finally, you know, I stopped when we start taking responsibility for our own actions, we finally, finally start seeing that I was a toxic one. And she, most people feed on that, you know, and I, I was toxic. And so was she, we were both feeding on each other. And uh, I dove my, I, I dove in the meetings and she kind of didn't understand it. And, and that was okay. And she didn't really stop drinking until about, I think it was on our wedding. <laughs> the last day was our wedding and uh, the night before the, that night, whatever. But um, she hasn't uh, drank in two and a half years. Um, but she followed suit, man. I just did what I was supposed to do and everything else will follow where the way it's supposed to, as long as I don't try to control the outcome, I just do what I'm supposed to do and everything else changes around me. Everything. It's a ripple effect. What am I putting out into the universe? Am I putting negativity? Am I putting positivity? If I, if I do what Justin needs to do, be positive and be uh, an example, everything else will follow suit. Right. And if not, it's not meant to be. And that's not my my job to control those situations. It's, I can control this guy. That's it, right? Um, so we got married, man. It was like the best day of my life, man. It was like, you know, me and her have, have worked through some things. And we've uh, changed a lot, man. And, and we don't have a toxic relationship anymore. It's like probably the healthiest relationship I've ever had. And I had to be taught that by people, peers in my circle <clears throat> what a healthy relationship was right she is an absolute beautiful person and that I, i'm lucky you know I'll tell you right now um but i um you know i uh i started doing business man we started being successful and uh you know the they um they started taking my mug shots these people because they were out of this little click we have like it's almost like high school right and they started taking my mud shocks and plastic them all over the internet and just like putting it out there. And I'm like, oh my God, they found me out, right? I I thought I just killed that dude and like just buried him. Not, I never really dealt with him, right? The shame and guilt of being that guy, that 100, because listen, I was 130 pounds soaking wet, just rough. I was rough. I had sores all over my face. And when somebody, and somebody put that out there, man, it just brought all those emotions back up. So I never really dealt with it. Now, I'm grateful that that incident happened. Now, I wasn't at the time. <clears throat> but I was like, how am I going to stop these people from keep trashing me, trashing my name, trashing the work I've done on myself, trashing my family, tra all these things like. I was like, I'm gonna start. A, I'm gonna start. A, I, I was doing a YouTube channel for my business and it became successful. And I was like, I'm going to I'm going to do uh, uh, a YouTube channel. And so I started with YouTube and I came up with the name and I was like, let's do this. And I got some people, my friends to come with me and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And then, uh, so I'm like, if they're going to share my story, I might as well do it in the positive light that it should be. You know, that's something that recover recovery taught me is you never fight negativity with negativity. You fight it with positivity and guess what? Eventually it'll cease. Right. And, uh, so that's what I did. I just kept hitting with facts you know, facts, man. These are the facts. I don't live like that no more. Like recovery changes people, man. We do 
we do recover. We do uh, deserve second chances. And that's just what it is. And man, I'll tell you right now, because the way I handled that situation, I've changed perspectives on the people that are in my circle that I never thought would be in my circle, right? I was the outs, outs, outside guy, right? I made them my circle because I made myself um, a different person. I've, I've, I've made myself respectable. I've made myself honorable. I've made myself a man of integrity. Like I, and recovery has given that to me. I just did the work. Like, that's all I did. I showed up. I did what I was supposed to do. And I got, did what people told me to do. Um, and that's, I took suggestions. So, um, yeah, I, uh, and it was such a freeing moment, man. It was such a freeing moment to be able to do that. And, uh, we've been doing it ever since, you know, we come a 501 C three, uh, last year, uh, we switch to Facebook lives. We do exactly like recovery revolution does. We go live every Wednesday and uh, Sunday at 8 PM and uh, <laughs> there's the logo. Um, so the, the um, appreciate that. Um, so we go live on uh, Wednesday with addiction to success. And I came up with that name because I had to really dive into what success looked like to me because I want what everybody else has as far as, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and build a freaking, build it up, man. Build, build, uh, build this freaking, um, recovery life, man. And show people what it's about. Um, but they, uh, I had to really dive in. What is success look like for Justin? Right. I'm looking at all these exterior things and thinking that I want that. Like I want what everybody else has instead of living my truth, right? And sometimes we can get caught in that fantasy land of um, wanting other things, but do we really want it? Or is that just what society looks, it, it, that's what it looks like we want. So I had to really dive in what success looked like, man. And I'll tell you right now, I mean, something my sponsor used to tell me all the time, man, and I'm, I'll be, I'm grateful for him. And this is how I got it, was uh, if you went nowhere else, but where you are right now, are you successful? And I had to really think about that. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I am. I've done more in four and a half years than I've done my whole life of 35 years, right? I've done way more. I mean, sorry, 40 years. Wow. 40 years. I've done more in four and a half years, almost five years than I have my whole entire life. I've I have gone back and got my GD. Now, these are the gifts of recovery because I stayed. I did the work. Um. I got my GED. I went back to school and got my GED. Do I need it? No. I have a contractor's license with the state of Florida. I run a successful drywall business that, you know, I, uh, I'm appreciative for my two guys that I do have that I taught how to do drywall and they're, um, they're amazing guys. Um, but they respect me and I respect them again, respectable. Um, I got married. I bought my first house. I learned a new trade called Venetian plaster was like, the high, the top shelf of drywall. Um, let's see. I've taught myself podcasting. I've taught myself marketing. I've taught myself. I have a YouTube channel with uh, for for my drywall that um, you know it's got almost four thousand subscribers, and I get paid by YouTube for it. And I haven't done a video in a year and a half. <laughs> but like all these things we can do, and I'm not doing it to like be boastful or anything. I'm just saying, man, us people, people in addiction are very 
we could be so successful if we channeled our energy, all our, our focus on these um, goals, man. Cause we're just, we're very smart, intelligent people. We just need to focus it, man, on something, you know, our brain works differently. We're not as fucked up. We just need to hand, know how to channel it. Right. Um, so like, that's what I did. I challenged, channeled it you know, into positive things, into building my self-confidence, right? It's still not there. Like, I'm still that scared little boy back at six years old, man, that freaking scared of the dark, right? I'm still him. I'm just in a bigger body, right? <laughs> On most days, I'm, I'm good. But some days, man, I still hate the guy in the mirror. And I just try to not talk to myself so negatively these days. I try to do positive things and I try to say you're worth it and like, you know, you're loved and all these things. But man, it's sometimes it's still hard. You know, it doesn't happen overnight where we miraculously come in recovery and everything's going to be magical and everything is fixed. I have 20, you know, 35 years of damage that I have to work on and, and, and learn how to heal and, and I still like to pile up my plate full, you know, um, but I, I'm definitely grateful for this life I live. I, um, I never thought I'd be living like this. You know, I'm still blown away that I wake up in my own house, in my own bed, and I got socks in my drawer that are clean. And I got I don't have to worry about I haven't worried about a bill in, you know, two and a half years. <laughs> you know, that's crazy to me. I used to worry about what's going to get shut off like, like a damn crackhead, you know? Um, cause that's who I was. And, um, you know, I, I got, uh, because of all these things that I'm doing and, and I learned how to video edit, I've self-taught video editing I, from these guys that taught me, I got a job with JL video, uh, where I live, man. And he is, uh, you know, two and a half years ago, I probably, he would never even thought about it. You know what I mean? But because of how I handle myself in situations and who the person I am and who I am as a person, uh, you know, even with the background, he, uh, you know, he hired me. So now I'm doing Hope Shot. I do JL and I do Final Touch Drywall. So I like to keep my plate full. You know, that's what we do. <laughs> you know, what are we keeping it full with, though? You know, um, the career in addiction or the career in uh, recovery, you know, addiction career is way more exhausting than any career I could have in this thing. And I could do multiple hats. Um, so yeah, man, if, uh, if you guys want to check us out on the hope shot, I go live every Wednesday and Sunday. And, uh, I just want to say I am grateful for recovery revolution for letting me share my story. It's always an honor and a privilege when asked to share your story or when you have the opportunity, you do it because you can't keep what you have unless you give it away. So thanks, guys. Well, we're grateful that you're here. And I took notes on a couple of things I want to ask questions for and decompress a little bit. But we're going to start off with Brett. Will you show JR's shirt and put him on the, the screen big? Because everyone that's watching this, I don't care where you live. I don't care what you do for a job. I don't care your educational level. I don't care if you're using drugs, not using drugs, mm -hmm. anything. You are enough. It doesn't matter what you achieve in life, you are enough the way you are. And I know we've all felt that we're not enough a lot of times in our life. Some of you probably are feeling like that right now. I feel like that 
a lot. Um, but it's not true when our brain lies to us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start there. Second, you were talking about trauma when you first started your story. And I think it's important that people understand the lo- trauma. It doesn't matter what it is. It's how you feel and how it affects you, the effect it has on you. It can be somebody making fun of you and it not seem like a big thing to them or what they're saying is not that hurtful. It can be just as bad as if someone beat you up, someone you saw someone murdered. It's it's all in your emotion and the way that it affects you. It's not the action. So, you know, when a lot of people say, oh, you're, you know, a wimp because this affected you this way or you're not a wimp because it affected you that way. That's trauma and, you know, processing it is and working on it is really the only way through it or it's affected us all throughout our whole lives. I think everyone can probably identify with Justin that trauma is a bitch. Mm-hmm. And I share that definition of recovery from SAMHSA all the time on the show because <laughs> um, my favorite. Yeah. And I mean, we we've talked about it, all of us that we didn't feel like we fit in anywhere and we didn't belong and how important belonging is. And, Mm-hmm. Shame and secrets are killing people. People are dying because of shame. Yep. And I wanted to ask you, how does it feel to finally be enough? Like, how does it feel to feel like you're enough? It's because <laughs> you're in your own bed and wake up in the morning. Like, uh, you know, it's like I said, man, every day is a new day to work on things. And some days I don't feel like enough. Some days I feel like totally enough, like my cup is overfilled with enough. But, you know, that's where like we have to I recognize I recognize what's going on. Why am I feeling this way? Why? And um, so I I make sure that I stay plugged in no matter what to um, recovery um, because it is a lifestyle. It's literally a lifestyle. But like I said, um. Yeah. And if anybody is feeling that way, where like they're not enough, they're not worthy of recovery. It's all a lie. We tell ourselves these lies. The lies that I tell myself forever was I was never enough. I'm not good enough. Nobody wants me better off dead. All these crazy things we tell ourselves. And I think uh, nowadays um, we need more people to tell us that they believe in us or tell us that we are worthy or just even just answering the phone to somebody and say, how are you? Or whatever that looks like, like calling people you haven't talked to in a while connection. You know, that's why I, sometimes I feel like social media is a good thing and it's a bad thing too, but we have a lot of connection with social media, you know, like I, I connect with y'all man, you know, um, cause the opposite of addiction is connection. Does JR. Yes. Connection. Yes. The opposite opposite of addiction is connection. And, uh, yeah. And I think it's an important thing to say is a lot of us, I know I can only speak for myself personally, but when I do, when I'm open about being in recovery and then try to achieve things, it's because of the people that are suffering or their family members that I want them to believe that, that there's hope. It's, I'm only doing it so that they know that there's another life and there's hope for them. Like if I did it, they can do it. It's not for me. If if it was up to me, I'd be sitting at home reading a book (laughs) like or never going out in public like I'm an introvert going having a camera on me is you know then showing up without makeup like that's not being here is not for me so if 
you know, if you don't feel like you're enough, we're all here for you. So please do feel like you are if you're listening. And that's, that's another thing with um, <clears throat> doing this stuff, um, sharing. Um, it helps. It will help peop- the people that are introverts. Like I don't, dude, when I first started doing this, <laughs> woo, I had anxiety. I was so like, just, it, it was, I was a mess. Right. And it's still, some days it's still the same. Like I get anxiety before I go on for no apparent reason. I don't have no clue why, but it does it. I get anxiety. Um, but like sharing your story literally just helps you, um, helps your self-confidence as well. Like getting on camera helps your self-confidence, you know, it's a confidence booster. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm naturally a shy guy despite what they're gonna say <laughs> it's an act i get it it's yeah, like it's an, act. it's an act it's borderline because like I, you know if you ever done a personality test i don't know if you ever done a personality test but they have these personality tests you find out who you are like kind of and it it kind of nails it right on the, yeah. right on the head i'm like borderline introvert extrovert so like i have more introvert than extrovert and like i'm just like on the like half and half of everything like it's pretty cool to find out about yourself. So if you ever go online and find the personalities test and take it, because it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm an introverted extrovert, I guess. An <laughs> <laughs> amnivert, or whatever it is called. I'm highly introverted. Like it's like seventy percent introverted, or thirty and thirty. So I'm like highly on the. I'm an INTJ, right? I don't know. Something like that. Something like that. A lot of people I feel like don't tell their stories because they they're prepared for the judgment or they're expecting someone to say something or, you know, like you can't like I've been told multiple times, you know, you can't tell your story wrong. Like you literally cannot. I mean, it's your story and no one can tell your story for you because it's your story, your lived experience. And it's so interesting to me, you know, a couple of things that y'all were talking about was like the positive thoughts instead of negative thoughts. When there's so many like studies that have shown that somebody who is in active addiction and let's say their, their, their mom is trying, trying to get them to, you know, go to treatment. Um, and just like the smart recovery, um, training I did it, there was a whole like family aspect of it where, Basically, it was saying like um, a man is, you know, has alcoholism. He's out at the bar. He comes home. His wife is ticked off, upset, you know, fuming. He comes in and wants to talk and it can go two ways. She can either be like, get the F out my face. I'm not talking to you. You disgust me. I can't believe you did this. You don't love me. You don't care. This is terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Get out my face. I mean, go, go straight there, which we are human beings. So emotions sometimes take over and that's just how it happens. And that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. however, the other side of that, what smart recovery would teach you is that the better way to handle that is to, if that, if somebody who's been drinking or using, um, comes in and wants to have a conversation and you know that it's going to get out of hand because your emotions, you're, you're fired up doing the opposite. You know, I'm so glad you're home. I worry about you when you're not here because I love you so much. You know, I'm, I'm going to go get a shower. I had a long day. 
I'm not in a good place to talk. I just had a very long day, whatever. And remove yourself instead of you did this, you did that. You don't do this. You don't do that. Da, da, da. You know, it's constant, constant, constant nagging, which again, we're human beings. It's, it's based off emotions most of the time. However, as I said, smart recovery uses the tool to, to flip, you know, how you handle that. So instead of making it worse, you're at least leaving it on the same, you know, level. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that just goes to show that although I know it's hard, um, to not get angry at somebody when they're using and they're going to jail and they're not taking care of the child or whatever it may be. Well, sometimes most of the time when you're in that addiction mindset, you're not there. I mean, yes, you can yell at me and I'm probably just going to, you know, like Justin said, I'm going to manipulate it and do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to say what you want me to say to make you shut up. And then I'm going to be right back on the BS, you know, two minutes later. Mm -hmm. So the positive is so important because you leave them instead of them feeling like they're a disappointment and they're, you know, they feel betrayed or deceited, you know, deceit, like they've been deceitful and, you know, they feel ashamed and hopeless instead of making them feel that way. If you flip it, it, it might, it's, you know, there's no guarantee, but it could make it literally go a different way, almost to the point of sometimes it could actually be life and death. I mean, unfortunately, I know a very distant family member who her mom was using. She had been in recovery for a, a hot minute and then, you know, um, fell off the wagon for a second. But unfortunately, as we've all said before, you know, we do recover, but that's why Narcan and harm reduction is so important because we can't recover if we're dead. And her mom and her got in a big argument. It was a blow up. It was the, you know, nagging the, I can't believe you don't love me, all the negative. And unfortunately, it flipped. And the next morning when she got up, her mom was dead. She found her mom dead from an overdose. And was that because of her? No, no, that's not at all what I'm saying, of course. But it, it could change. You never know what your words do to somebody. Um, and although accountability is number one, you know, positive thoughts instead of negative can go a lot further, you know, sometimes. Um, and the trauma that you and um, Justin and Ashley were talking about, I feel like it also relates so much by, yes, craft. I could not think of that. Um, thank you. Um, the trauma, although it's a little different when people like give you that grief timeline, when Kenny died, it was like, oh, it's, it's been two weeks, you know, aren't you better? Oh, it's been a year. You don't want to date yet. Oh, it's been two years. You know, you don't want to have kids yet or somebody else. Oh, it's been three years. I mean, it, like they just assume that this trauma and this grief or this, you know, whatever trauma is, is supposed to just go away. You know, there's no timeline for trauma being with healing in general. There's no timeline. Every single person on this live watching this out these doors in every community in all the States that we all live in, everybody is going to heal from trauma, grief, you know, being, you know, somebody being deceitful, somebody saying something hurtful, um, you know, cheating, whatever it may be, we're all going to heal from that differently. Ashley might bounce back and it might take me five years, you know, Brett might be hurt for a year. JR might jump back in a week. I mean, you know, wh whatever it may be, 
there is no timeline for healing. And I feel like the pressure put on for that is one of the reasons that some people do fall back in to losing their recovery is because there's so much pressure put on us to heal quickly, recover quickly, you know, don't talk about it, just do it. I mean, no, it, it, it's not the same for everybody. So that timeline, you know, or limit on what you're supposed to heal is just for the birds for me. I agree, Amanda. My dad died when I was 11 and I didn't deal with it till I was in my thirties. So the timeline that people want to throw at you, it's if you do it in somebody else's timeline, all you're doing is pushing and it, it creates a bigger bomb one day. It's going to go off one day. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might be five years down the road, but there's going to be one day it hits you. And it's not it's inevitable. Absolutely. So Justin, hmm. how do you feel um, about harm reduction? What do you offer harm reduction for everybody who doesn't know you and watch you like I do? Um, Matt, smart recovery, all of the things. So we are, so my, my personal recovery is through Narcotics Anonymous. That's my personal. So on the, uh, for what we do in our group, we actually read this clarity statement because, uh, you know, we got to meet people where they are. So yeah, Matt, uh, you know, it's what used to work back in the day. And that's what I feel like. Um, I feel like we're, we're, we're failing by not accepting people for as they are and where they are. Um, some people need, uh, Matt, some people don't want to do step work. Some people have a resentment towards step work. Um, some people need smart recovery. It, every different way is the right way for different people. Right. And that's where like diversity should be a strength. And I feel like one thing that, that that's lacking is like, um, more of the mat recovery. So like support, um, groups and homes and stuff like that for sober living, uh, for Matt, we're, we're lacking that around here. Um, cause they don't feel like they belong. So it's, uh, something that we're trying to figure out, uh, to help people. But yeah, for my personal belief, do what you do, you know, what, what works for me might kill you and what, 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 uh, works for you might kill me. That's how I am. We struggle with the same thing. We don't, um, we have so many people that come to like wake up Carolina for help or for treatment. And we do scholarships and detox scholarships and such. <clears throat> and it is so frustrating because, you know, <clears throat> the, I can't even remember who it was. I was going to look it up, but I just got an email from SAMHSA earlier that I think 79.1 million dollars just got like proved in overdose like prevention grants and i want to say it was like 39.2 or 7 or something like that anyway 39 million dollars um was put specifically for math um and that obviously is huge because a lot of people don't agree with Matt, you know, you're not sober, yada, yada. But a lot of people also feel like if you're an antidepressant, you're not sober. So um, yeah. I'm like you, I respect all pathways. That's my meeting on Fridays is all recovery. Um, whatever your path is that's keeping you alive is 
that that's what it, that's where it's at. Like you said, our hugest thing is meeting people where they are. Um, but we struggle with that as well, that there are, there are really, well, we have Oxford houses and, um, most of the Oxford houses actually do accept MAP patients, which is a blessing. Um, but other than Oxford houses, um, there, there aren't, I mean, my partner at wake up Carolina lives in a sober living right to live. Um, and I know a lot of the guys from my using days even, and even though I'm on mat and they see my experience and they see how well I'm doing, um, I work with my, my own clinic, um, doing harm reduction there, but it doesn't, you know, that's still their rules. So they don't allow anybody on the Vivitrol, Suboxone, Subutex, Methadone, nothing. I mean, which is frustrating for me because there are a lot of people who need that. So we are kind of in the same boat you are. We're trying to find a way, figure out how, how to, you know, how to do that, how to, how to get that offered, you know, I'm sorry, in Lantana treatment facility, they do as well. They do allow people to get Suboxone and stuff. Well, I want to talk so let me break that. Let's break that down because I'm big on advocating and, and knowing what we're advocating for. And I am completely 100% supportive of Matt and Matt recovery. It is recovery. Mm -hmm. But when they're putting this money into Matt, the gold standard now is Matt three days and then you're back out. And then you have it, there's no housing set up. There's not, you know, you're waiting in lines at in the middle, like the middle of the night, almost like, um, so when we talk about recovery, um, there's a lot of work that has to be done and it doesn't matter how you do that work. There's something that made you use to begin with, whether it's a mental health condition, whether it's trauma, whether it's, you didn't feel like you fit in, whatever your reason is, if you don't do any work on that, no matter what your pathway is, it's not going to be successful because in the long term. You, you can have yoga as your pathway and it work if you're <laughs> addressing what you need to address like it. So that's a big problem with the gold standard for Matt right now. It's not the mat That's the problem. It's the problem that they're not giving people treatment. They're not giving housing with it. They're not. So when we advocate for money for any program, we need to advocate to address, you know, the underlying issue that needs to be addressed too, or else we're switching one drug for another and it, it could end up costing people their lives because they're doing multiple things together or just a lot of scariness. So, you know, I wanted to point that out just because. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, that's a absolute, I want to answer Katrina in just a second. Um, but that's your, your point is, I mean, overly valid. I mean, it, it's so true. I go to the, the Mac clinic and there are, I mean, I've gone to the extent where I will get, we have a organization around here that's kind of new, but um, they get like bagels and like prepackaged meals that like donated and such. And we will get them here and I will take them. I will literally go to my office at five 30 in the morning, five, five 30 to pick this stuff up, to bring it down there to feed them because there are so many homeless people. There are so many homeless people. And if you, I mean, I've been blessed enough. I've never been homeless. I've been blessed. Um, 
However, I know a lot of people. So although I don't have lived experience myself with it, you know, um, it's, you know, when you're on the streets like that, I mean, I've been told multiple times they, they will be there, go to the Mac clinic, they're in recovery. And then people are just passing drugs around, you know, you know, I mean, you're uh-huh. in a, it's, it's a, it's a, a messy situation. So they absolutely, absolutely need to, you know, just the homeless population in general with or without Matt, as you know, Ashley, you and I have talked about like off, you know, air is disgusting um, how so many areas handle that. Um, it needs to be, you know, fixed either way. Um, and Katrina, so smart recovery basically is kind of like not an equivalent, but it's similar to like NA 12 step. It's basically just, you know, a program. Um, and so the goal of smart recovery is abstinence. However, they believe that any way that you recover is your path. Everybody's path is different and everybody's path is worthy and ex- they accept it. So basically it's basically an all recovery meeting. However, what smart recovery has done is it's very scientific based. So they've studied a lot of these different programs, what's worked, what hasn't. And then um, they've kind of put it together. So they have a lot of like cognitive behavioral therapy. They have tools um, for like priorities, um, anger, rational beliefs versus irrational beliefs. Um, just multiple different, you know, your, how your actions and your consequences affects, you know, your, your thoughts, your belief. If you have a rational belief, then you jump to, you know, you're driving in the car and you're trying to get to a meeting. Um, and you're, you know, you need to get to the meeting cause you feel like you're going to drink. And it's like an ABC, your irrational thought is, Oh, I'm in traffic. I'm not going to get there in time. I might as well not go. I should just go drink. Well, that's, that's the emotion that caused you to, to make a bad decision. Your behavior after that affects it. The consequences from you going to drink are, you know, you, you relapse, you slipped up, maybe you got a DUI, you know, maybe you're just embarrassed. Maybe you're ashamed of yourself. Um, So it's just learning how your, your irrational beliefs can affect you negatively. So there's also a whole lot of family and friends tools, um, if you message me, I don't want to take up everybody's time, but if you want to message me, if you're interested, I know they put the, um, the link down at the bottom um, and I'm trained in it. So if you want to talk about it, feel free to message me because I'm starting meetings. We don't have one for 93 miles. It's the closest one from me. So I'm starting them on September 16th at 6.30 p.m. And I don't think we live in the same state, but um, they have online meetings as well. So and whatever you're interested in, there's a pathway for it. I promise you there's a pathway for everything. It might not be in your area. You might have to attend online, but I promise you there's something like, like I put in the chat, there's recovery, Dharma, smart recovery, celebrate recovery. She recovers NAAA craft invitation to change for families. You know, there's so many programs. If you don't feel like one works for you, you don't fit in, try a different one. There's art, therapy there's all kinds there's trauma-informed yoga there's there's a million different pathways um and so you talked about harm reduction and that's something that definition is we is very broad harm reduction can be a lot of different things housing is harm reduction giving those bagels out that's harm reduction empathy 
kindness, giving someone a second chance, all harm reduction. So if your personal belief is maybe not to do certain things that are different on the harm reduction scale, you don't have to. You can have a, a boundary or your organization doesn't have to do certain things. But if you do anything for anyone that's in recovery or using drugs that helps their life, you're doing something for harm reduction. And when we talk about it like that, it helps everybody. Justin, hmm. wanted to say I heard so many parts of my story in your story, buddy. I mean, I was, I was the exact same way when I came into recovery. I mean, uh, my, I was, I, I finished uh, VA treatment and then uh, they signed me up for this, uh, this compensated work therapy program at the hospital and I was doing it. And I guess I impressed the full timers enough that where they were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to hire you for this job. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to hire me because I'm a felon, you know, and my, my record is 20 pages long, man. So I was like, yeah, you guys could put me in for the job, but there's no way they'll hire. And, and I had already, you know, just removed myself from even thinking about the job, but they kept pushing and kept pushing. And, you know, I was like, all right, to, to shut you guys up. I'm going to apply for the job and I'm going to show you that they're not going to hire me. And, you know, I applied for the job at the, at the hospital, at the, the VA hospital. And uh, sure enough, the background check guy mess uh, sent me a letter like a week later. Hey, your, your background's too shady. But by this point, I was like, you know what? I deserve this job now. I've done put all this time in the training. So I called him up and we started talking, you know, and I, and I, I shared my story. It's one of the I was brutally honest about where I was, where I've been, where I was. And, you know, like 15 minutes into the conversation, the guy was like, you know what? You sound like a good guy, you know, but. But I don't know about, about the position that, that you want. Maybe I could put you in the kitchen or in housekeeping. And I was like, nah, dude. I said, I spent a year training for this, man. So we kept talking. And by the end of the conversation, he was like, yeah, I'm going to prove you. No. I'm <laughs> at a federal hospital, dude. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Fallon, I got like four felons to my name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, yeah. Uh, you know, it's one thing is like, uh, you know, we think we're screwed, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, we write ourselves. We limit ourselves. That's yes. what, that's what addiction really does to us. Yeah, you get in recovery. You don't think you deserve more than that minimum wage job. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm here to tell people, man, aim, shoot for your dreams, man. Go for the gold. Yeah, people Good. want people in recovery because, like, I think AG and I were talking about the other day that you know people in recovery are some of the hardest working people. Like, like you, you know, you're a busy man. I, I'm a busy man. It's yeah. like I, I've. I feel like I, there's always something else that I could be doing, you know, to yeah. help the person. Yeah. And sometimes I want to get overwhelmed with how much I put on my plate <laughs> and I'm like, no, I got this. Cause I'm doing a, I do a live, uh, a live podcast just like in recovery, but I do it for business owners too in this, in the, in one of my Facebook groups. And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, how do I even manage to do all these things, yeah. you know, and still drink water and keep the kids alive and all yeah. that stuff, you know, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> we could do a no. lot of things, man. As long as we calm, like breathe, learn, learn, practice the pause, you know, it's, yeah. it's I like yeah. that stuff. I mean, I don't even want to tell you what AG does. She's, she gets, she has like five jobs. <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, she's spitting things. I'm telling you, <laughs> once, once you get into the nonprofit world and this kind of side, dude, it's like, whoa, 
whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to like tell people, yo, no is no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because it's like there's so much going on. You want to be involved and you like right. you want to do all these good works and it can become over. Okay. You can you can do more damage than good if you overdo yourself. But as long as you come in it like and make sure, like I said, practice the pause and mm-hmm. not get overwhelmed because I can literally get overworked and make myself go into a panic attack and make myself think that I'm not doing or not knowing. And like that fear creeps in and, and am I doing right? And that, am I enough? And all these crazy things, man, just keep doing that. Exactly. And, uh, just exactly. Keep shutting that shit away. Nope. Not yeah. Nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like That's what on, um, on Sunday, I think it was your, um, the hope shot when you were live on Sunday, um, and everybody, you know, was, was talking and, um, I was in the, you know, comments talking about how, you know, I have a hard time like saying no, because I know how many people need to hear somebody, you know, not me. I mean, I'm all I've got is my lived experience and that's great for some people. Yes. who, but some people need other people and that's fine, but I have a hard time saying no. And I think Kelly, you know, jumped in, um, and, you know, was saying, you know, she's the same way, you know, it's mm-hmm. so hard to say no and turn things down. Um, and my boss, Nancy, always tells me because I will overload my plate like there is like, I mean, I'm over here juggling like six, like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I mean, it's insane. And I'm about to move and I've got four kids. I mean, it's, you know, nuts. So um, she always tells me that if it if the opportunity is meant and it is important that it will come back around if you miss it the first time. So I'm trying, trying. I'm not uh, very good at it yet, but I'm trying to, you know, to take that. And like Kelly, I think Kelly even said, you know, you can't, it's that you can't pour from an empty cup. And if nobody's filling yours and you're filling everybody else's, then you're not going to be there to support, to help, to, to empower, to inspire, to tell your story to anybody. Yeah. That was uh that was last week's topic was pilling uh, pouring from an empty cup. That was last week's topic. Yeah. Amanda, I'm not a violent person, but if I ever hear you say all I have is my lived experience again, I'm gonna slap you <laughs> because you've survived and overcome and learned things that I don't know that I could have, and there's a lot of people that wouldn't have. You're a mom, you're is it is it your niece not you're an aunt that takes care of someone else's child you, like you have so many things you don't just have your lived experience and that is diminishing who you are and what you do so please don't ever say that again thank you you're right i'm a badass i must there say you go. thank there you, you. Go. there <laughs> you go i mean we all are though i mean look at this screen right now like seriously like look at this screen I mean, Brett, and I even put in there, I mean, he's, he's a dad. He's got a baby on the way, a absolutely gorgeous, beautiful wife. He puts everything he's got into these lives to our sound effects to, to ever. I mean, he's always, he's on it. He puts everything he's got into these lives with everything he's already got going. Justin has kids, you know, he's a husband. His wife is truly one of the most beautiful human beings I think I've ever encountered. Um, she is just truly a absolutely beautiful soul. I mean, you just, she just is. 
um, and all the things that you, you know, all the things that, you know, you're, that you do, I mean, Justin, for your community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're always, like you said, you've got all these different things. I mean, when I see you in the morning, right after I just saw you the night before on the hope shot and you're coming in with business and you're like coming in hot, what's up? And I'm like, Oh <laughs> dude, dude, it's like way too early. You know? <laughs> And then, I mean, Jr. you know, Jr. is always, I mean, it does not matter how much his plate is full. It does not matter how many different his hands are in how many jars, you know. Say, hey, he, hey, hey, hey. You know, the cookies. He still, he still will reach out and say, well, what do you think about this? Maybe we should do that. I mean, he is so passionate about what he's doing that it, it's, it overwhelms me to just know what he does on a daily basis. Like it, it makes me tired. And then of course, Ashley, like everybody has always said that woman, I mean, I don't think I have ever looked up to somebody and just respected someone so much that I've never met in real life. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, she's caring. She can have a million and one things going on and she'll call and we'll talk for an hour, shit, two hours. I mean, just, and hold the conversation and, she's just, she's so intelligent and she's a mom and she's got about 10 jobs plus about five donated time nonprofits and boards. I mean, the fact that I'm on the screen with all of you guys blows my mind. You You know know what I can't do? And this is what I'll tell you. What I can't do is last night there was an international overdose awareness event. And because losing so many people, in the last year, going to that event was too much for me. I had to not go. And I don't feel guilty because I knew that I didn't have the capacity. But you went and you were there for people. It was a different event, but you had the space for that. There's, I can't go to funerals because I have trauma from them from my dad. So I can't go and hold space for people at those. I know that it's going to put me in a tailspin. There's a lot of people that go. There's people that respond to overdoses that that would traumatize me so there's skills that i have that are different from the skills that other people have but they're not better their skills aren't better than mine we need all those skills and we need the people on the ground doing the work the people that can hold space it's it's important all of it it's also important what you said though i think for all the listeners right now to hear though is what you just said that you realized that it was going to be an overload so you respected your own boundaries and your self-care and you backed up and you did not do it. And you didn't not go because you didn't care or that it wasn't important. Everybody knows that's not the case. You went because you knew that you had trauma. You, you did not go because you knew that you just could not handle it. And that is a huge respect thing that I have because you know, I am trying to get there, but I'm working on it because sometimes I struggle where it's that over, even if I know I'm going to be overwhelmed, I still do it. And I've got to learn not to, because it does put me in a tailspin. So that's important for every listener and everyone that will listen to here is it's okay to not go. It's it's okay to choose you first. can't help anyone if you don't put the oxygen mask on that's it's the most annoying example ever do you have to put the oxygen on you before the other person on the plane but it's so true yeah i'm not gonna keep talking y'all i know you're waiting for me to fill the silence but like i'm not okay <laughs> it's close to my bedtime 
Yeah, too. I know Justin's been yawning for like 30 minutes. I, I got to go work out. <laughs> At 9.30? Yeah, I, I no matter what, I, I get it in, man. I do these things and I still, I'm trying to stay somewhat physically. We got to stay mentally, spiritually, and physically fit. It's, it's yeah. all a part of it. The trifecta. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So I'm doing well. And I committed myself to eight weeks of no cheating, no eating out, no nothing. I am eating decent vegetables and everything. And I hate vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, we were asking in the comments, Justin, if it's okay if we play the Family Matters skit. Yeah, that's my favorite. Okay. What's not recovered on purpose? Let's do let's do that. Let's end on a on a funny note. Yeah. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. Love and tradition of the grand design. Some people say it's even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue. Inside these gentle walls, it's all I see is a tower of dreams. Real love bursting out of every scene. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love Listen, it. I we thought of that, filmed it, and then I edited it in like one day. It's I did a um I did a uh, Cheers one too for a for a. Uh, Thank you. Um, I did a cheers one for a coffee shop in downtown. So I don't have that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think I have that one handy. <laughs> it's it's good too, man. I, I love doing little things like I just I love video, man. I love uh recreating things, you know. I, I just I enjoy it, man. It's like my, my my go to. Yeah, I don't what know. What was that putty that fell on your face? Yeah, like, yeah. Drywall mud, yeah. Did you do that on purpose or was it like actually an accident? No, I did it on purpose. It, uh, it doesn't three, it looks legit. It took me three tries to get it to do that. <laughs> oh, I mean, I drop mud in my face all the time, but like when I was, you know, doing drywall, but um, it, it's hard to do it when you want it to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Thanks for playing it. Well, Justin, we really appreciated appreciate you coming on tonight, dude. I mean, I've totally enjoyed it, man. It's it's great to finally you know talk to you face to face. Yeah, yeah. In the comments all the time. <laughs> I know, right? It is. It's cool, man. Like I said, man. Uh, you know, social media, man. It connects people, man. Sometimes even better than real life, and it's insane to say that, but it's true, and. But the only thing it doesn't do for you is have that real human connection, like going to uh, connect with your fellows and stuff like that on the Absolutely. personal levels. You know, you still need both, you know, you need both. But it was it was great to be here, man. It's a good conversation, uh, you know. Um, so I, I appreciate it, all y'all for letting me come on and share my story. You know, it's an honor if I can get you guys to come on, too. I know I got Amanda already did. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, buddy. Send us a message. We'll get you scheduled. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. We'll, uh, yeah, we got to set up a time, dude. We'll come on your show, man. Yeah, we do Sunday nights. Like we have our shares, the story, uh, sharing on Wednesdays, but that's, that's booked out. But, um, the, uh, Sunday nights, man, it's just a group of us bullshit. Yeah. You know? We bullshit about recovery, share experience, strength, and hope, feed off each other. It's fun, man. We're going to start doing uh, group meetings too. Um, so, uh, Amanda, I need that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you because I need to talk to you. I'm going to say I'm going to call you, and it's, it never happens, but it's happening. It's happening. You too, uh, Ashley. We're all going to talk. I won't hold my breath. Brent, I'll call you, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I hate that when like people are like, "Oh, can we schedule a time?" I'm like, "Just call me." Like, it's so much easier than having to like fit it in a block time. It's like, just call me. If I don't answer, I'll call you back. If you don't answer, you call me back. Like, it works out easier. Ashley, I didn't like how Amanda said she talked to you for like an hour, hour and a half. You you give me like five minutes on the phone. She's well, like, I she gotta go. Me at, it was like six in the morning because that's my drive for an hour and a half. So that's my time. If you're not available at six, that's what I got. I'm loyal. I'm loyal. <laughs> she got my time because she's committed. Mic drop. <laughs> Boom. Committed, sir. Committed, sir. Yeah, he always wants to talk at like eight in the morning, eight thirty. I'm like, I've been. That's my drive time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, not available. I'm already working. He popped in at my work like last week, and that was cool. Yeah, he, it was a good work. surprise. He like walked in. I'm walking out of one of the offices, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm everywhere." I <laughs> and then everywhere. he didn't even come to see me. He came to see my boss, and she wasn't there. So I was like the second class citizen that f- filled in. But that's okay, you know, whatever. Hey, we had a good talk. We had a good talk. We did. We had a good talk. Yeah. I- Sorry, Jay, have, have I been making you feel like I don't have time? You probably call me like five days a week and I answer one wow, time. Yeah, you, one out of five, yeah. Call me out on it. <laughs> Send me a text to do it. But it's going to be on your performance work with my time frame. Yeah, it's going to be on your performance review. Brett's getting okay. the cake. That's it. Maybe you'll fire me. Brett's got the cake coming. JR's never Wait, that's why he's got the shirt. You've never visited me at work, JR. <laughs> Long <laughs> oh, I missed Ashley up. I missed JLR up. I mean, I'm snitching. All right. <laughs> He's like, let's end it now. We're yep. in trouble. She's snitching. Do She's it. snitching. Jeez, yep. And I got to put my kids to bed. And I, I got to go pick up a Target order for my kid because she won't leave me alone about these special shorts. <laughs> Got to have them. Got to have them. Yeah. Well, thank you to everyone that joined us tonight for another episode of Recovery Revolution Live. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on your notifications so you know when we go live. In case you guys haven't figured it out yet, it's every Thursday night. If you guys would like to send us a voice message because we like the conversation to go both ways instead of us just talking, you can leave us a voice message at speak-2.us slash RRL. Be sure to check out The Hope Shot, thehopeshot.org, and they also have a Facebook page. Check that out as well. And don't forget about the Recovery Challenge 2022. That's going to be going on September 1st. That's today through the end of the month. 
send a, a photo of yourself holding a sign, a poster board, a piece of cardboard, whatever you got with your city, state, country on there and recovers. We can spread some hope, let people know that we are in recovery and we're recovering loud and proud. Thank you, everybody that came on tonight and watched this. And to the folks that are watching us after we're off the air, thank you for tuning in. Justin, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you again for being on the show tonight, man. And remember, guys, progress, not perfection. I think somebody had asked for an air horn sound effect, so there it is. I didn't have a good time to use it, but I do have one. <laughs> it's always a good time to use air horn. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>